I'm trying to find the document. You, you dropped it in the air somewhere. Because it's as we all know, if I draw something through AirDrop to Tracy's computer, it's going to go straight to Instagram. I have no idea where it's at. Welcome back to the UCAST. If you missed the first episode, go back and listen to us figuring this thing out. And we're your hosts. I'm Tracy Fields. And I'm Emily Higgins, recording from the last office on the right at Crosspoint Fellowship in Greenville, Texas. We're here to continue the conversations we're having with youth and young adults. We'll talk about anything and everything from matters of the church to our favorite Netflix shows. And we're going to keep talking. It's up to you if you keep listening. But as much as we love to hear ourselves talk, we want you to join in the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore UCAST or email us at the UCAST at gmail.com. Today we are going to talk about, I think we're going to talk about discipleship and dating in this podcast. <laughs> All at once in less than 30 minutes. Well, I mean, we, we'll start with discipleship. We know everyone really wants to hear about dating and our views on that. <laughs> so we may just keep you waiting. Every, every time I say something about dating with any youth or young adult, uh, seriously, probably 95% of the time they say, well, that, that doesn't really count because you've been married for a long time. Yeah, yeah, because like, we never dated. No, and no. so they get, but history starts when they enter, you know, 100%. like the, it's like a, they parachuted, as Ben always says, you just kind of parachute into this yeah. narrative. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you've always been married to them. Always. Like, well, I feel I've been married for 25 years. Yeah. So that's, you know, I would kind of think if I were younger me, I would want to hear from someone who had been married that long because what hey, would you tell younger Tracy? Oh gosh, calm down. <laughs> I would be I would tell her calm down. It's all going to work out. You don't have to be perfect, you know. Yep. Not that I'm an expert on the Enneagram, but I'm bringing it up again. Yeah, it's you just, are like it's there. It. Well, you're the expert on the Enneagram, but but I would say as a you know a two wing three, I need some approval and mm-hmm. uh, pretty good at performing. So I would just say it's okay to be quiet mm-hmm. and just let things happen. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I have an issue with you know control. when I turned thirty. I'm not going to say when that was, but mm-hmm. when I turned 30, I wrote my younger self a letter. Oh, you did. It was extremely therapeutic. Yeah. It really was. Like I got to. What'd you say? I'm just going to read it right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to read it right now. But there were things that happened in my childhood that like I got to in that moment apologize to myself mm. for letting allow happen. Yeah. Like for not standing up for myself or yeah. not speaking or being bold or just not having it, yeah. you know? And yeah. so to be able to even apologize to my younger self and then go, okay, this is what we're going to be better at. Hmm. You know, sometimes we judge ourselves more harshly. And one yeah. of the things my husband, Greg is a therapist and um, he was in pastoral ministry for about nine years. And now he's a therapist. So we, we always like to say that he went from pastoring to therapy. <laughs> That's not loaded or anything. But, but but one of the things that he always says is like, you know, if you look back 
at, I'm probably going to misquote him and he's going to be like, that's not actually what I said. So he's probably not actually going to listen. He to may us. not even listen to this. So. He comes out on the front porch when we're talking for five minutes max. And then he's like, all right, well, see you later. We've used up all his currency. But anyway, he always says like, look back at your eight or nine year old self mm-hmm. and the things that you carry shame around with your, you know, in yeah. yourself about what would you say to that eight or nine year old now? You know, me? And, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm the only one in the room. I don't know who else you were asking. Yeah. Me to. Well, I, you know, probably myself as well. You know, I yeah. think there are things that uh, one of the first things that came to my mind when I said that question out loud mm-hmm. is it's not your fault. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. I would tell mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, it's not your fault. It's a great one. And, uh, and you have a voice. Yes. Yeah. You, use your voice. You know, and yeah. I would tell an eight or nine year old that Mm -hmm. now, now your voice does not dictate or it may not change, but it could the situation, but it could enlighten those around you to what you're feeling, what's going on. Yes. You know? Yeah, I do. And I also think that like as children, as youth, as young adults, even as adults, older adults, Mm -hmm. even, you know, we get the narrative wrong Mm -hmm. so many times, Yeah, yeah, you know, and we tell ourselves these stories and then we repeat that story Yeah, and story is so powerful, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to step back from a situation long enough to say, Oh, okay. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe I, maybe this isn't accurate. Maybe the truth that I've told myself for so long isn't accurate. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think in addition, as you were saying that it made me think of, um, I would tell, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old Emily, I would say, that person in authority, whoever it is, parents, the church, teacher, right. they're trying to. Yes. Like, they're doing the best they can do. Like, you're doing the best you can do. Yeah. It just looks different. Yes. You know, uh, last year we went through a, a situation mm-hmm. um, with a group of people that my parents had previously been through when I was younger. And I remember that. I don't know the details of what happened. I just remember the similarities. Right. And I remember telling Todd... It's so bizarre because, like you said, my parents to me have always been what they are now. Right. Wise, older, very discerning, all these things. And I thought they went through this situation when they were my age. When they were our age, yeah. And we're having to make these big decisions yes. and have these really hard conversations. And I'm like, they did it. Keep yeah. going. I mean, they're still yes. here. They're like in it and walking through it still really well, you know, the yeah. aftermath of those yes. things. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're doing yes. those things. And they were raising four kids also, yes. you know, I at the time and <laughs> understanding that we're bringing something to the table. Yeah. You know, all of our, um, history mm-hmm. and even how we like, it's like how we decipher things when yes. we hear something, you know, I always say that like, I may have, I may be being very intentional with my children, with the students, with the young adults, but they're going to tell their own story one day. That's right. So how are they going to tell the story? Mm-hmm. You know, I may tell the same story completely different than how they're going to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where this humility comes in and moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it comes in. One of the things uh, our pastor said on Sunday was just in talking about prayer. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that even this morning, you know, like in praying, you know, that, under, you know, asking God what his will is in certain situations and listening to that because his story actually is the story that 
we're being grafted into and right. we're a part of. And right. so getting those to line up. And allowing so, space yes. to hear that. Yes. You know, to listen for what he's saying and what the will is, you know, yeah. not just going, like, great, and it's not turning out how I want it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. So that, it was a really good lead-in because now we have about two minutes left to talk about discipleship and dating. I'm awesome. kidding. This, the title of this episode is going to be the one we were supposed to talk about, talk about discipleship and dating. <laughs> yeah. So we just hooked you in with that. <laughs> Everybody hits the dating episode. I know. So, I know. So let's talk about this. Let's start with asking this question. What did, okay, you grew up in church. We talked about this. Yeah. Uh, there's you you've known the Lord almost I guess your whole life yeah. because you you grew up in a family of faith that yeah. taught you to fear and love and trust Jesus. Yeah. I don't ever remember and this is some people's story, but like I don't remember like a conversion moment. Sure. I just grew up in it and have what? believed it and and growing up and you know, getting older have made that faith my own. Yes. Like I believe it, you know, and do my best to walk in it well. When but you, that's because my so when did you when were you baptized? I was twelve. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. And so, um, talk about when you hear the word discipleship. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, what comes to your mind first. Yeah. It, right now, as an adult, what comes to your mind? Right now, as an adult, it is more formulated and structured only because I've met with people before in dis- mm-hmm. in discipleship. And discipling them, so we go through a book, or we meet weekly, and we pray together, something like that. So you've met with a couple of the young adult yeah. females here yes. at the church, and so one you met with for over a year, I guess, close to that? Yeah, it's been about a year and a half since January, Tracy, yeah. so I don't remember when it was. Okay, you said that. <laughs> maybe you said that in the last, I wasn't really listening, I was just talking. Because you like to hear yourself I talk. I do. So, but you're meeting with someone now, uh-huh. and... Um, who actually is going to receive baptism in yes. the body here the, in the next couple of weeks so if we get to gather again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that thrills me to no, no end. end. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead and and finish that. So now it's more formulated. What, yeah. what did it look like? If it's I think if I now? think about it, like growing up, I could name easily five women older than me um, who just by welcoming me into their life discipled Mm me you know I had a kindergarten teacher who my mom worked at the school when I was um, in elementary school and so you know she'd be there later or whatever Mm -hmm. and so uh, I would go into her class I'm a kindergartner or first grader second grader and go into uh, my teacher's class and just like help her do things you know like staple the little border up on the bulletin board and stuff like that and then kept doing that all through elementary school. And so it ended up, I'd be in there, you know, grading papers together. Yeah. Well, I think about that now mm-hmm. and I'm like a kindergarten teacher mm-hmm. allowing say an eight year old in right. after school, who's just got all the words in the world. Yep. I'm just talking her ear off. She unfiltered Emily. wants to go. Yeah. <laughs> unfiltered Emily. Some things never change. <laughs> but I think about that. And I'm like, man, she imparted wisdom. Yes. All those years of just yeah. how to just do things. Create a space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ten minutes a day, fifteen minutes exactly. a day for exactly. the entire school year. Yes, I had friends' moms who I would talk to them more than I did the kid who was my age. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way up into high school, and mm-hmm. um, 
And so I think that's what discipleship looked like for me personally growing up. Well, the importance of that community. Yes. You know, it was really the church who came up with this concept that it takes a village, you know. Yeah. uh, it, It takes an entire body. Yes. Because, you know, I have to I've had to come to the realization that, you know, with five children, uh, four who are girls, one boy, that there are going to be adults that they connect better with in certain areas. Yeah. Because they're not little extensions of me. Yeah. They're little individuals, little humans, Mm -hmm. little worshipers. And so um, they're going to want to connect with people, you know, who are. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking their language some days better than me and they don't have the emotional baggage with them that they might have with me. Yeah, that's right. You know, if, if we get into a fight on the way to church, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're not really wanting to listen to me mm-hmm. that morning, you know, but they may have a small group leader at their table that just kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, evens everything out for them and yeah. helps them get to the next place and they can hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's that's difficult. It's difficult as a parent. Um, it's difficult as difficult a, how like sharing. It's the difficult load. as a as a parent, and I think as a youth minister, as a young adult minister, to know that um, it's not about you. That someone may connect with a student and have a significant impact in their life, and that's not you. Mm-hmm. The Lord He uses everyone in the body, and that's hard in a personality. Um, you, we can say that it's not personality driven, but we see pastors and youth ministers and children's ministers fired from churches every day yeah. uh, because of their personality. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of personality that goes into um, this this role. Mm-hmm. And so I think as a parent, when you know your child better than probably anyone else, I mean, really, mm-hmm. you you spend more time with them and, and parents even if they have a difficult time parenting, they are students of their children. Yeah. And so they um, are with them. They've studied them. They know their habits. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. But to know that the Lord might bring someone else in Mm -hmm. that is a little more patient in an area or may have had a struggle that you don't have, that is, that's part of this thing. Yeah. And as believers, I think we have to come with our families and with students and young adults open-handed to say, this is not about me. This is about an entire body and group of people, um, you know, walking alongside of them, you know, um, you know, girding them in and, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing something now. I'm moving my hands. I know for the audio, she's using a lot of body language. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Anyway, but, but I think it's important for us to get that and to know that literally you, well, I'm saying this about myself. I'm not the center here. Mm -hmm. The Lord is using me the way he's using you. And it's not just about me being there to impart wisdom to them. It's about the Lord using that person, that child, that student, that adult, uh, young adult to help me yeah. be what I need to be. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay. So you, you have, um, do you remember in your youth ministry when you were growing up, mm-hmm. did you have um, structured, you know, like ours was called youth evangelism training. It was every Monday night and we mm-hmm. had like five, four or five students that would show up for youth evangelism training. And then we would go visit, people who had visited our church. 
oh, the nice. Sunday before. Did y'all do That's anything cool. like you, that? Or? Nothing that formulated or structured, but there would be, I remember our youth ministry growing up loved it. It's like, mm-hmm. we just would go up to the building. You and I have talked about this a lot. We just go up to the building. Yes. Youth pastors there. I mean, the man's probably like putting together his lesson for Sunday yes. and in the word and studying and these kids just show up. Yeah. You know? And every time activity we're and out, presence agreed. Oh my word. It was such like I look back now and am so grateful just to be able to just call them, hey, hey, let's go yes. to Taco Bell. And there are a bunch of us meet up at Taco That's Bell exactly and right. at the building and playing basketball and yeah. and that kind of stuff. So I don't know that we had something like every Monday night or right. but we would do those uh just like focus yeah more focus things and hey we're all doing this bring your friends there was a lot of that like it wasn't you know where you're like hey do you want to go to Sunday school with me it was right. hey we're all gonna go Let's play go. dodgeball yep people want to come to that yes people who are would not necessarily go to Sunday school yep. do you know what I mean yes, and so I there do. was lots of those intentional activities right. that really they weren't around a bible study yeah, they're more like front door activities, like to where people have a, a space to walk into the ministry. Yes. Not like overwhelmed. That name. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about how my view of discipleship has changed over the years because I grew up in a time when it was very formulated. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think I went into the youth ministry in the late 80s. And then um, I know you go ahead and laugh. <laughs> Age guesses, totally welcome. Yes. <laughs> I got a few good years left in me. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my cane. <laughs> anyway, but um, it was very formulated. It was very, um, um, you have to go through this curriculum. In fact, I was part of adapting a fairly large curriculum to a mm. student edition um, because it, of the way it looked, basically. But okay. um, you, you would meet and go through a book with someone, and then you'd go through another set of books with someone, and then you'd go through another set of books with someone. And then oh, wow. basically the thought was once you got through this entire curriculum, then you would be considered discipled, and you could begin disciple-making. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not faulting that type of system because, hey, you, you know, I've transitioned into adulthood. Yeah. I'm in the church. I love the church. Um, I'm discipling people now, so I'm in no way, you know, discrediting that form um, of discipleship, um, you know, process or whatever. Um, It's changed for me, though. Mm -hmm. I've shared this. You and I have had many conversations about this, but I've shared this with Greg at one point. Um, I just said that when we started working with the young adults here, um, I had never seen a generation that was so debilitated by their family of origin. Yeah. And and what I mean, and I don't think that's specific to our students or to our young adults. I think it's specific to this generation. Yeah. Um, because there's so many broken families, a lot of misplaced priorities mm-hmm. um, with, you know, people being involved in lots of different activities mm-hmm. and um, our society being so mobile. You know, it wasn't when I was growing up, it wasn't like this. I right. mean, you went to school, you went to church and church became the hub of your social involvement. Mm-hmm. And um, also with uh, anxiety and depression, you know, I don't know, I, almost everyone I know struggles with some form of anxiety or depression. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of loss, you know, a lot of loss. And yeah. so I would think for me, uh, the best form of discipleship could be summed up in in two words. 
and it would be show up. Mm-hmm. That if we show up um, in the lives of youth and young adults repetitively, I mean, like we are a part of their lives just because they see us. Yeah. That that creates a very good form of discipleship because they're watching and learning from us things that they may not have learned other places. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even very natural things, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I do think, you know, we have with our youth ministry now, we've started grow groups. And kind of my philosophy is uh, it's three words. We're going to gather together and then we're going to grow and then we're going to go. That's mm-hmm. the process. Gather, grow and go. Yeah. And so with gathering, obviously, we're talking about corporate worship. And you and I, I mean, we're a part of a body that a church that puts a high emphasis on gathering together on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And corporate worship and the preached word. Mm-hmm. And basically that everything else flows from that. Yeah. Um, and so so that's that's going to be a big deal for us. Um, in fact, that's going to be where we're going to encourage students to go first, right? Yep. And then after that, if you have to choose, if you don't want you to have to choose, but if you have to choose Sunday mornings, we're all together. All the, yeah. If 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 it's going to come between Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, we're going to always default to say Sunday mornings because you're commanded to be in corporate worship. That's right. Uh, But the grow groups, what we're looking at there is we're breaking students up into smaller categories of four and five, smaller groups of four and five. Mm-hmm. And then we have a young adult, actually, uh, in that 18 to, to 30 age group that, of course, because of, of coronavirus right now, they're meeting online, uh, but they're Zooming with them. Mm-hmm. And they're either in a Bible reading plan with them every week um, where they're just talking about you know, what they've read. Um, and then they talk about if there's any ongoing sin issues that they need to pray about just creating that space. And one of the things we encourage the youth on Wednesday night, this last Wednesday night was look, if you're, if you don't have your Bible reading plan down, Mm -hmm. don't, um, distract and avoid, don't Mm -hmm. avoid going to your grow group and don't say, ah, something came Mm -hmm. up, you know, I can't get there. Yeah. Go ahead and show up because we want to get <laughs> and those. we know you're not doing anything. We know else. you're lying. <laughs> Bunch of little liars. <laughs> I'm kidding. But you know, you, you know, we've encouraged the young adults to tell them, look, we are not, we don't have perfect reading records, you that's know? Right. I mean, someone. And that's not what it's about. Exactly. <laughs> someone said the other day, uh, they were talking about, uh, I think it was one of our, yeah, one of the young adult staff, it was Jessica actually, who said, she was talking about how someone had told her, do you know how many Bible reading plans I failed at? Yeah. I couldn't you know? tell you how many. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can become so much law, you know, yeah. where, oh gosh, I didn't read my 15 chapters of Leviticus today. Yeah, you know? that's right. So, so my point is, is just that we're wanting to create those habits of mm-hmm. them showing up, mm-hmm. meeting with this group of people that, that they think they don't gel with and they don't bond with. Sure. And then over the years they see that they do. And, and so. what they're learning is how to, they've a, a space has been created for them to talk about those things. Yes. If you don't have that, like you almost have to force them to do it and then mm-hmm. they end up loving it. But if they don't have that, they become adults who don't know how to process feelings. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to admit quote unquote failure, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or actual failure. Like, they just don't know how to say those things. Well, and don't you think we have a, a whole society of individuals um, who they don't understand um, when things are mechanistic. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that if things feel hard, they just say, ah, this doesn't feel natural, so I'm not going to do it, you know, and we're trying to create, and I'm saying, when I say we're, I'm saying like our, our staff together, Mm -hmm. we're trying to create this idea of, um, and I, and we talked about this at fall retreat, Mm -hmm. not in a bad way, but in a good way, the word obligation an obligatory relationship with those that you're worshiping with, Mm -hmm. that we're showing up for one Mm -hmm. another. And that even if it feels mechanistic in the beginning, that that's okay. Yeah. And I think saying those things out loud to them to understand that, like, if I, if I go to a women's Bible study, Mm -hmm. it, I don't, I feel those same things. Yes. I mean, do you feel, you feel naturally (laughs) at ease? In all of these situations? Uh, completely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I yeah. uh, feel extremely uncomfortable. As an adult who loves people, I feel extremely uncomfortable walking into like big settings of multitudes. I'm yes. just like, oh my gosh. Yes. I don't know if it's a feeling like I need to perform or I need to be this certain. I don't know what right. it is exactly. It's, it's like, your seven coming I'm like, out. <gasps> Yes, it's your party Be animal. Funny, you know, and it's exactly. like, oh, I can't. You yeah. Know? And I think it's it's like an overload, too, of just processing mm-hmm. all of what do people want from me? Yeah, that's, that's where right. I go. Yeah, that's right. I go to what do people want from me or what needs mm-hmm. to happen in this situation rather than just being at ease mm-hmm. and and realizing that I'm there as a receiver as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Because I go in thinking, what do they expect me to be? Right. So, so I think kind of what we're saying is that it is absolutely okay to have some form of structure, oh, but yeah. we're not trying to get people from point A to point B. It's not a pass fail situation. Yeah, it, that's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's more not a law. <laughs> that's right. It's not the yeah. law. Yeah. And it's not a soft law either mm-hmm. where people think they're being given grace, but they leave with a to-do list. Right. It is an actual, we're going to show up. People are not projects. Students are not projects. Okay. Youth are not projects. Children are not projects. Mm-hmm. They're all little worshipers. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to show, and we're worshipers. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to show up and walk with one another on this journey. You and know? instill in them what we know. Yeah. What we've learned. Not as a do this the right way, yes. but as a let me help you. Let me come alongside. Right. You know, One of the best forms of discipleship I ever witnessed um, that really kind of, it flipped a switch for me as my, my, um, sister-in-law, um, you know, they have a podcast called the UCAST. I'm sorry. They're just called the, uh, the family cast. Are we UCAST? Yeah. 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 That's they're, a shout out. Podcast. Go-ins. <laughs> the Goins. I freaking love the Goins. I know. Their podcast <laughs> is family cast and it's fabulous. And one of the things that Amy really put on display for me was she had a student that, uh, when Kyle was a youth minister that would come over to her house once a week, every week, mm. as long as I could remember after school and she'd cook dinner with her oh, wow. and she would just hang out and she would sit around their table. And uh, that student now uh, I've watched her, um, you know, on social media and she's leading mission trips mm. and, you know, she's got a great family. She's, you know, um, she's transitioned into adulthood as a follower of Christ, which is what I think our end goal is, is to create these good church men and church women mm-hmm. who are transitioning and carrying the faith on. That's right. 
So I think that's... And Kyle that's and Amy, if you want to move to Greenville, I will come sit at your table. <laughs> Every week. Every week. Chop some onions. Yeah, that's right. 100%. I'll do laundry. Whatever you want me to do. Well, and why don't you talk about the hospi- hos- hospitality How to part. speak? Hospi- <laughs> da, da, da. It's, it's my prayer language. Why don't, <laughs> why don't you talk about that, you know, what we kind of introduced with the young adults. Uh, over the summer when we did the Rosaria yes. study. Yes. Uh, to talk about, you want to talk about the book? Yeah, sure. And kind of how that formed. I mean, gosh, yeah, that went into a lot for us. I mean, oh, 100%. how we kind of did everything. And- yes. Um, you said open door or front door earlier, and it is exactly that, just welcoming people in. So we read the book or most of the book, um, The Gospel, the gospel comes, comes with the House Key. We'll link to it in the show notes um, by Rosario Butterfield, right? And man, it, it changed a lot for us as Todd and I, as a young adult ministry. And I think that's filtering out into the church also just of how our young adults are moving in that way of it not needing to be this really formulated structured thing, but just welcoming people into their homes Mm -hmm. to going out in the park and talking to people, just Mm -hmm. creating relationship instead of creating, I don't even know what the word would be, but like a system. Yeah, exactly. Understanding that is one of the things she said that God never gets the address wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Where you're at is where you're supposed to be at and you can be Jesus to whoever you're you yes, know, and that we're going to have conflict. Yep. Um, with especially, we have conflict in the church, but we're going to have conflict with people who don't know mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. and that we're supposed to, you know, persevere with them and yeah. walk. That's and, right. And how we walk that out, yes, can be transformative uh, in their relationship with Christ. It can bring them to Christ. Exactly. It can, you know, it mess. I mean, I just think about conflict I've had over the past, you know, however many years, and. You can see what happens when you do it well yes. and when you don't. Yeah. You, it, yeah. It falls out or it gets stronger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So um, there you go. There. We've covered we all did. of discipleship. Do we, we don't even have time to talk about dating, do we? No, we have no time to talk about dating. Is this, or is this timer the second? Yeah, that's oh, the second. Gosh. Tracy so got a very important phone call. So we're going to. This is when we're going to learn how to splice things together. Part of being a mom. Are we talking about dating or are we just going to leave that in the. We'll just put it in the title so people listen to this. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. What are your thoughts on dating? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think people should date? A hundred percent. I think people should date. Yeah. I'm with you. I learned a lot through dating. I did too. Are we talking about dating? I mean, we're talking about dating. Should we make one minute? Let's give, we've got 30 seconds left on this minute. I think dating is amazing in a healthy way to do it in a healthy way, which we can get into on another podcast, but, um, don't date around like a crazy person, but like, just because you're dating a person who you've been with maybe for three months, six months, three years, doesn't mean you have to marry him. Isn't that the that's what make we them the right man, person? This is what we we go on. <laughs> we rant on this all the time, don't we? Yeah, that's right. We're always like, look, no relationship is closed until marriage. That's so if you are in an unhealthy dating relationship, guess what? You can get out. That's exactly right. You can get because out because throw it back to the beginning. You have a voice. Yes, use it. Yes, and and guess what? 
you were not created to be alone, but that doesn't mean that you were created to be married. Uh, that's exactly right. I mean, we, I will tell and you. I had some great single years. Gosh, me too. Me Todd too. Todd would say the same thing, and we love each other. Yeah. <laughs> we love I, being married to it. each other, but. Yeah, but but you're not absorbed into him and who he is. No, you are, he's real cute. You're, he, <laughs> you are, you are your own person. That's right. Walking alongside of him. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, so there you go. Okay, so. Hashtag, there's the feminist comment for the day. <laughs> I don't know if that's really feminist. That's exactly. Healthy. It's Hashtag a, it's healthy. Healthy feminism. Healthy. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. All right. So are we ending? I love it. I think that's it. Okay. Oh, wait. Tell me something that happened this week. Funny, weird, interesting, anything. Okay. Well, I am on a Marco Polo group with a group of friends. And if in case you're not familiar with Marco Polo, um, it's from what I hear, it's like Snapchat for old people. So anyway, I'm on there. And so one of my friends came on and said she felt like she was kind of being judged because she wasn't wearing a mask when she went into a large big box store. And the funny part of this, though, is that she said then when she turned the corner, she saw someone and they're barefooted. <laughs> Which is the grossest thing ever, and COVID-19 lives okay. on the bottom Wait, of she was feet. in the grocery store, is that what you said? Yes. Okay, listen, do you know what Todd calls them? What? It, not COVID, anytime someone's in a grocery store, uh-huh. barefoot, really, it's anytime somebody has, like, you know, like the bottom <laughs> of your feet are just, like, nasty. Yeah. So, he calls it GSF. Uh-huh. It's grocery store feet. That's so gross. Do you know, but when you hear grocery <laughs> store feet, you know what that is. You know, you've seen it. Nasty. It's so gross. I, you know, because I was saying, you know, that lady went home and just like <laughs> laid down on her couch because she was tired. That's gross. <laughs> so on that note, uh, we want to hear from you. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen during quarantine? DM us on Instagram at the underscore UCast or email us at the UCast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Uh-huh.